Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we are literally in the last week of our Christmas uh, series here. And I've called this a gift worth receiving. And this passage in Luke chapter 2 is a story of a guy named Simeon. And, And as you look at him, you begin to understand God uses all ages to do what he wants to do. Well, if you're listening to us on via podcast, we want to say thanks for joining and Merry Christmas. So let's begin as we look at verse 21 of chapter 2. And then as I read this, I'll stop and give us a little bit of an introduction as well as some background about this passage. Starting at verse 21, and it reads, Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, his name, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. This little phrase, I, I'm going to continue here, but I, I just feel like I need to speak to this. Before he was conceived. You see, you have a situation where some people would say, well, she was raped or she was violated and all these kinds of things. In other words, remember that the angel spoke to Mary before Mary was conceived. She gave consent to what God was doing in her life. And it was then that they actually had named the child, but it wasn't official until eight days after he was born. Let's look at verse 22. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Verse 24. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Well, let's pause here. And let me give us a little bit of a biblical background to kind of help us set the setting of this story for us to better understand. The opening verses of this section demonstrate to us as we read that Mary and Joseph were not some wild-eyed political activists who are going to take this child and raise him up in a certain uh, ideology and manner so that he can become a rebel and overtake the political might at that time. You know why? Because they were law-abiding citizens following the norms and the customs of all the Jewish faith. They were coming after eight days to have him circumcised. They were coming with the offering and they named him on the eighth day all these things were the customs of law abiding citizens i think that's important to catch this passage of scripture speaks also to some of these customs of the jewish faith 
they had Jesus circumcised. Not on the seventh day, not on the ninth day, but on the eighth day as required. And these customs likely took place in three separate time frames. And yet, if you don't know that, as you read through these, you think this is all happening right one after the other, all within, let's say, the same hour or so, but that's not the case. One of them's happening at eight days, another one at 30 days, and another one at 40 days. And you would miss that if you don't have the backstory. The three ceremonies that they likely would have been a part of was one of the purification of a woman after 40 days of giving birth to a male child. The presentation will be the second one of the firstborn to God. This was required in Exodus and Leviticus. This was a, and even in Numbers, this was a, a mandatory thing. You had to present the firstborn son or give to God because God owned that. And the third one was the dedication of the firstborn to the service of the Lord. Now all of that included the circumcision, the name given, and the like. Matter of fact, the circumcision was so incredibly important that, remember, on the Sabbath day, you were not allowed to do anything but rest. They made an exception for circumcision. If the eighth day landed on the Sabbath, you had to go to the temple to have that done. That's how sacred that custom was to the Jewish faith. Isn't that amazing? And then you had to name the child on the eighth day. And so here we read in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 21 that they named him. Jesus' name is Christ Jesus. Some people, it's really interesting. They say, well, Jesus Christ, Christ is his last name. No, no, Christ is actually a title. The, the word Christ is a Greek word. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word, and it means the same thing. It means the anointed one. And, and the name Jesus means the Savior of his people, as, as, as Chris was sharing earlier. So Christ Jesus literally means this. It means the, the anointed Savior of his people. Isn't that incredible? How would you like to be named that? Ladon? No, from now on out, you're the anointed Savior of His people. So you'd always have to call Him, hey, anointed. <laughs> right? But that's what His name means. Why? Because that was His purpose and His destiny. He was born to die. He wasn't born to live. Did you catch that? Now, there was known in the Old Testament what is called a, a poor man's offering. Many of the people were so poor they could not afford a lamb or a sheep. And so for the poor, and there were many during this time of history, they would come with two turtle doves or a couple of pigeons. And that's what Mary and Joseph come with. Now why is that important? Because it tells you that the wise men haven't shown up yet. You catch that? There's all these little things there that the Scriptures are trying to tell us, but we have to pay attention. Why are they, if they've got gold and frankincense and myrrh, how come they're just coming up with turtle doves? Because they're poor! Because it's not until the baby's probably more like one or two or three that the magi show up and then present the gifts. 
Okay? Most likely only two years. So there's a little background to hopefully better understand the setting of the story as we get into Simeon and his encounter with this baby Jewish boy. Remember, this was not a special, unique ceremony set aside for Emmanuel. This was a couple, and many in the community would look at them with that stink eye, because you know what Mary did, okay? But they show up, he shows up supporting her, supporting the child. And just trying to be low-key, do what they're supposed to do. And as they do, something incredible begins to happen. And and as as we make this shift, I I want us to look at five observations in regarding the story of Simeon. Let's look at five things. And the gift of Jesus to the world is a gift that is really, truly worth waiting for. And it's also worth receiving. Here's here's one of those observations. Those who look for Jesus will find him. When I look at Simeon, verse 25, he's there and you find that he is literally looking for the Messiah. Verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this Man was righteous and devout. Now catch this part. Looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, that word, looking, it's an interesting word. That word looking means looking with intent to find what you're looking for. It's like when you're looking for your keys because you know the dog moved them. And you don't own a dog, but you got to blame it on something. You are looking with intentionality to find that thing. Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you were a little kid and you, were, and you were counting all the VW bugs? My kids used to call the VW buses Twinkies because they looked like Twinkies to them. So they got extra points for for being on the road and and spotting a a Twinkie. All right? What we found out is our kids never saw such a thing as a VW bug or a Twinkie until they started playing the game. Then they were everywhere. Have you ever noticed when you want to go buy a car and you were looking for a certain kind of a car, until the point you determined you wanted a certain car, you never saw them, then everywhere, everybody owns one. I can't buy it now. Why? Because you weren't in looking specifically for that. It's like when you show up into a place, let's like say the market or a Walmart or someplace, and all of a sudden you weren't looking and you walk right by pastor and you didn't say hi. Why? Because you expect to see him at church, but you don't expect to see him at the market. Have you ever done that? Walk right by somebody? And you knew that was a person, but you didn't recognize them. Why? Because you weren't specifically looking for them or for that. 
But here Simeon is telling us, I was looking for Jesus. And that's why I believe he saw him when everybody else was all about their business. There's a couple of lessons on looking. When we look, we need to look through the eyes of faith. That's what Simeon did. Simeon looked with the eyes of faith. There are, there are two kinds of people. There's one kind of person that says, I've got to see it to believe it. And the other one that says, I believe, and therefore I will see. Which one do you think is actually faith? The second lesson on looking, and this one I think is really the most important. Keep looking even though it could be discouraging. Don't stop. I'm giving up. Forget it. I'm not going. I can't find my keys. I, I can't find my glasses. I have no idea where my glasses are at. <laughs> Tell me I'm the only one that's ever happened to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're right on top of my head. What impresses me about Simeon is he kept on looking even though he had to be discouraged. He's an old man. He's been looking for him decade after decade. He's been looking and searching for a lifetime. And he doesn't see the baby. He doesn't see the Christ child. But he stays firm in his faith. He's not moved. He's not giving up because God's not paying attention to his watch. He keeps looking with intentionality. It had been 400 years of silence. And yet Simeon kept hoping that he would see the Messiah. Well, here's another observation. Number two observation about Simeon is that many times... The assurance about something comes before the answer. In other words, there are times when we know something's going to happen before we really receive the answer in our life. Have you ever had one of those things? It, it, grandmas have this. Mamas seem to have it. Where they just look at you and they just go. And, and especially with my Hispanic background. I mijo. Right? They would say, it's a, it, mijo means it's a term of endearment. Right? Listen, the Lord's going to take care of you. I don't know how, but I've been praying. Have you not ever seen that? That, that praying mama, that praying grandma, and they're saying, I don't have the answer, but I'm telling you, God's showing me this is going to happen. You're okay. That's Simeon. He's telling us God has showed him he will see the Christ child before he dies. And he's believing it. Why? Because God spoke it. The Holy Spirit spoke it to him. When God speaks to you, don't let go of that. I don't care what the circumstances are saying. I don't care how... Things are going weird and crazy and different. 
If God speaks, it's a promise. You can hold on to that. You can live on that. Let's look at this here in Luke chapter 2, verse 26. Here's where Simeon gets this incredible confidence. Now, now, verse 25b, it's not in your notes, but it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. We remember reading that? Now let's hit verse 26. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He had a promise. He had a promise. He was going to see him. He knew it. It was like that grandma. Listen, I'm telling you, this is going to work. This, this is God. I don't have the answer, but God showed me. It's the same thing. Have you ever had the assurance that something was going to happen before it happened? Sure you have. There's a bunch of intercessors in this place. Oh, yeah. You got a little Simeon on you. Here's another observation. He came to the right place to find him. Simeon showed up to church. Oh, you know how pastors are in telling everybody to go to church. We got one rule. Show up. Doors are open. Get here. Why? Because you'll be blessed. And Simeon was blessed because he went to the right place to find him. He knew it was going to be a Jewish baby boy. He knew that on the eighth day of whenever a baby was born, it would have to show up to the temple. He knew the best place to go because his middle name was Sherlock. Show up! And this is what he did. Simeon came to the right place, not only to find the Christ child, but he came to the right place to receive. The Christ child. Let's read verse 27. That day the Spirit, whoa, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, what was about to happen? The fulfillment of the promise given to Simeon. So there's two significant things. Simeon came with the right heart. And Simeon came with the right mind. How do you come to church? Have you ever asked that question? How do I show up to church? How's my heart when I show up to church? Where's my mind at when I show up to church? Did you know that there needs to be preparation in advance before you come to church to say, Lord, help me to make sure my heart's right. Lord, help me to make sure that I have no vain imaginations, that I give all vain imaginations to the captivity of Christ. Why? So like Simeon, you would be there to be able to receive Christ. To receive what the Lord would have for you. You know what I covet? For this church more than anything else? Oh, I love a big building. I think we all would. 
but I, I don't covet that. It's a good tool, and I've had big buildings. Probably you too. Wonderful tool. But you want to know what I covet more than anything? I covet for this church to be a people of God that would come to worship in such a way that people who are either hurting or they're searching and they're looking like Simeon can walk into this church and there they can sense God. They can feel God. They can see God in His people. And there they could find God. If that can happen here, job done. That's the job. That's what I want to see. That's what I covet. Somebody walk in and they just go, I just felt it, I knew it, didn't even have to hear the preacher. I knew that I knew, that's the place. That's my Christmas wish. Here's another observation, number four. He personally, Simeon personally received Jesus. Literally, physically. Can you imagine the feeling in Simeon's spirit in verse 28? We're not going to read it. When he literally took the Christ child into his arms and he blessed God. Can, can you imagine that Simeon must, what he must have been feeling at, at all of a sudden realizing, I'm holding God. Did, did you hear that? He's holding a baby and recognizing this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. I'm holding God. I don't know about you, but I would be hugging and kissing. So you guys are now moving and living with me. Come on, Mary. Come on, Joseph. Why? I want God to live in my house. Can you imagine? He's the only guy in the room that really has a clue what's going on until he looks up and he sees Mary's eyes. And he knows she gets it. Then he, she, he looks over at Joseph and Joseph has those eyes. I had a dream and that angel told me. Can you imagine? Here's another observation. When you receive Jesus, like Simeon did, that you would be ready to die. I didn't say that you're going to die. Relax. I'm saying when you receive Christ, there is a preparation that happens inside of you, body, soul, and spirit, that you are now prepared. You are now equipped. You are now ready for that phase here on earth to take place. Why? Because you're now in the Lamb's book of life. You receive the Christ. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse 28 and 29. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. It had to be overwhelming. Saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant 
die in peace as you have promised. You catch that? He's like saying, your promise is done. I'm ready to go. Come on, get me to heaven. Why? Because I, I want to get there. And I wanna, let's move this along. We should never be afraid of death. We're Christians. Once you've received Jesus, you should be thrilled. Move it along. Take me. I'm ready. Bring everybody else too. It's supposed to feel like Christmas. Bring the family. Let's all get together. Why? We receive Jesus. He was saying, I'm, I'm ready to go now. Your promise is fulfilled. Simeon is saying, I've seen God. I've actually held him. It's a gift worth receiving. Okay, well, let me read you one more thing as we close. Now, now this is from some quite a few years ago. It's from the, uh, uh, a broadcast from 60 Minutes by a guy by the name of Harry Reasoner. And uh, it, was, it was spoken or said around the time of the Christmas season. And, and I just want you to hear it. So um, listen carefully. This is Harry Reasoner. Eleven years ago, I did a little Christmas piece, and it seemed like a good idea to repeat it. The basis for this tremendous burst of buying things and gift buying and parties and near hysteria is a quite an event that Christmas believe that Christians believe actually happened a long time ago. You can see that in all societies there has always been a midwinter festival, and that many of the trapping of our Christmas are all almost violently pagan. But you come back to the central fact of the day and the quietness of Christmas morning, the birth of God on earth. It leaves you only three ways to accept Christmas. One is in a cynical way, as a time to make money and endorse the making of it. One is a gracious way, that's the appropriate attitude for non-Christians who wish their fellow citizens all the joys to which their beliefs entitle them. And the third way, of course, it's reverently. If this is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord in the universe in the form of a helpless babe, it is a very important day. It is a startling idea, of course, the whole story that a virgin was selected by God to bear His Son as a way of showing His love and concern for man. It's my guess that in spite of all the lip service given to it, it's not an idea that has been popular with theologians. It is somewhat an illogical idea. And theologians like logic almost as much as they like God. It's so revolutionary. A thought that it probably could only come 
from God that is beyond logic and beyond theology. In a magnificent appeal, almost nobody has seen God and almost nobody has any real idea what He is like. And the truth is, among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright light is not necessarily a completely comforting or appealing idea. But everyone has seen babies, and everyone likes them, almost. If God wanted to be loved as well as feared, He moved correctly for a baby growing up learns all about people. And if God wanted to be intimately a part of man, He moved correctly for the experience of birth and familyhood. In the most intimate and precious experience that any of us will ever have. So it comes beyond logic. It is either a falsehood or it is the truest thing in the world. It is the story of the great innocence of God, the baby. God in the power of man has such a dramatic shock toward the heart that it is not true if it is not true to Christians, then nothing is true. So if a person is touched only once a year, the touching is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some final quiet morning, that touch will finally take. The touch of God coming into this world as a vulnerable baby. Harry Reasoner, 60 Minutes. That's what Christmas is, is about, folks. Let me ask you a question. How about you? Is Christmas a time that you're cynical or gracious, or should I say tolerant of others and their traditions? Or are you reverent? And in awe. How about you? Are you like Simeon? Truly, truly looking for Jesus? Or are you preoccupied? Are you distracted by many things? Like so many of us. Do you know in Bethlehem? Do you know, throughout that land, everybody was distracted. Everybody was preoccupied. Everybody was overwhelmed by the oppression that they were under by the said government. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be preoccupied. I'm guilty of it. Maybe you are. But Simeon knew the secret sauce. Be looking for the Messiah. And you'll find him just like you'll find a Twinkie. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Lord, like the people of the time of Jesus' birth, 
so easy to be distracted. So easy to be overwhelmed. To be stressed out. There's just so many things that could draw our attention away. Too much of this, not enough of that. Why this, why that? Oh, that relative, oh, that friend. And before you know it, Jesus is gone. And I didn't get to see him. I didn't get to embrace him in my heart. And that which would have changed in my life didn't happen. So Lord, I just pray that we would just take a moment to just slow everything down on the inside. And then in this moment, say, Jesus, would you help me? Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to stop being distracted. To stop being overwhelmed. Stop the worry, stop the concerns. Put away the to-do list. And I just want to have a moment like Simeon with you. Is that you? Have you had that moment with just Jesus? Him holding you in His arms? You embracing all that He is within you? And saying, Merry Christmas, my Savior. I love you. I love you, God. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Could you just have that moment right now? Just slow it down. Would you just tell them how much you love them? How much you need them? Would you open up that door to your chest and say, Jesus, Come into my heart. Take residence. Take all of me. Spend Christmas at my house, God. Spend Christmas with me. And me with you. I want to be like Simeon. I want to see you in the midst of the multitude of the hustle and the bustle and all the people and all the stuff. And, and yet I, I see you in all of it. Help me to intentionally see you. Now God bless your people, I pray this Christmas. Bless them in ways that go beyond money, in ways that go beyond presence. Bless them. Bring healing to their bodies in the name of Jesus, I pray. Oh, Father, Father, touch our minds that we would have thoughts that are in synergy with the thoughts of the Holy Spirit, with the thoughts of the Father. Oh, Father, Touch our ears, and we'd hear what you want us to hear. 
our eyes that we could see what you want us to see, a nose that we would smell the rose of Sharon and know the presence of the Holy Spirit is in this place, hands that would embrace and touch with the tenderness of the hands of Jesus, the healing touch of Jesus, mouths that speak words of care, that edify, exhort, and love. Take all of me and make my heart beat in synergy with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Merry Christmas. And in your name we pray and we say amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.